Okay, here we go. This is the Worthy of Sea podcast. I'm Chip Stewart. It's Monday, January 22nd, 2024, and we have a stronghold to storm tonight. Um, the title of this episode is Be Fruitful and Multiply, because as you read through the scripture, God has established this guideline for the entire human race, and that is to be fruitful and multiply, meaning have children. Okay, now there are exceptions to this. This is a general guideline at the individual level. People can make their own decisions. Some people may not be in a situation where they can have any children, some children, lots of children, anything like that. But by and large, God's desire for the human race is to be fruitful and multiply. So if you're married, you're a Christian and you're married, please keep this in mind and think about who better to raise children than than a Christian couple who I would hope would raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And to be obedient to this, to be fruitful, multiply, and to have children will hopefully bring uh, more Christians into the world. There's no guarantee that your, your children are, are going to follow Christ, but to have that nurturing of, of a Christian couple who are dedicated to one another, who are dedicated to Christ, is one of the best things that we can do for children, especially today. You see, the, you see especially in our country here in the United States, um, the, the, um, the plague of divorce and abuse and children out of wedlock, and all these sorts of things. Um, it, it, it's really important to give children a, a good upbringing. And, and who better to do that than Christians? Be fruitful and multiply. Now, I think we need to be aware of those philosophies and temptations from the world system, which, was to dis- which, which are there to discourage us from having children. Uh, in other words, answer the question, well, why do we not have more children in this society? Why do we not have more children in our families? Things like that. And this is the stronghold I'm talking about. This is, is um, that, um, that spiritual stronghold that, that is very prevalent in our country, and it is deliberate. It's a deliberate push, and I think I'll demonstrate that as uh, I go through some resources. This is a very big topic, um, the, the topic of population control and, um, and I'm just going to touch on a few things. Um, there's, there's a lot more out there, um, but I just want to kind of give you a taste of it so that you understand that people are, really do think this way, that, that the population of the planet needs to be reduced. But back to the question that I just posed to you, why do we not have more children? And if you brainstorm, you think about it, it could be for several reasons, and it all depends. But I think, you know, we need to examine ourselves. Like, why, why are we not, why do we not want children? Why do we not want to have more children? And, and see if it, if it squares what God, with what God wants. That's really, that, at the end of the day, that's what God wants. And be prayerful about it. Um, talk to the Lord and, um, and receive his guidance um, as parents uh, for, for having children and, and, raising, and raising your children. But some of these obstacles um, that we might find in our lives could be um, power, notoriety, a desire for, for wealth, 
and it, these could discourage us from having kids because they may be be an obstacle for for achieving that. So not only are these you know obstacles placed in our path uh, in our thinking by the world system, but it could be sin as well. It could be sin in our own lives, the pride of life, um, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, you know things like that. The uh, the love of money, um, stuff like that could cause us um, to not want to have children. So the the desire for power, notoriety, wealth. Uh, desire for life of ease because children aren't always easy. They're worth it, but they're not always easy. Um, it could be a very self-centered reason, like it's all about me maintaining my lifestyle and satisfying my needs. You know, why do I should I, why should I have to care for some other human being um, that just gets in the way of of satisfying myself? And so it goes into fulfilling your own lusts and appetites. Uh, inconvenience um, could be it. It's just inconvenient to have a child. Um, kids are too expensive to have. Um, they take too much time. They're a burden. They, they cramp my style. You could be, be buying into what is being pushed on us. Um, I, want to, I would say repeatedly through entertainment, uh, the culture, news, things like that. Um, and this is a bit crass, I guess, but, but basically humans are a cancer on this earth. And we shouldn't have any more because humans are, are so terrible. And you know, God says, you know, yes, we're sinful, but he says, be fruitful and multiply. And his desire for us is to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ so that we may be saved and may spend eternity with him. Um, it, similar, it, similarly, it's bad for the environment. Humans are bad for the environment and for pagan Gaia, um, a.k.a. Mother Earth. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're bad for Mother Earth. Um, that's, and I'll read some scripture here in a minute, but that's not what God is, is telling us. Uh, also, another reason is we don't think we need children to take care of us in our old age. I keep talking with my wife and, and families would live together. Like the, the, the husband and wife would build a house and then when they have a son, um, they'd build um, the, the next floor up for, for their son and his wife. And they would live together and, and traditionally um, the, the children would take care of their parents. And and uh, God tells us to do that, to take care of our parents. If we don't take care of our own families, you know, we're no, no better than, than the pagans. I, I may be misquoting that a little bit, um, but we're or unbelievers. I think that's what it is. We're no better than unbelievers. And he wants us to take care of our families our, and our mother, my, our, our parents. Um, so if, if we are put in a situation where we don't think we need kids, well, then it it factors into our calculus. Well, I, I don't need to have kids because the government's going to take care of me when I'm old. So I, I don't need children to, to care for me. I have Medicaid. I got Medicare. I got Social Security. Um, you know, they got retirement homes or whatever. Um, that, that could factor into the thinking like, you know, I, I'm, I don't need kids to take care of me. But if there's, no, if there's no safety net at the end of life, you may be like, wait a second, I need to have children that I bring up and um, expect them to take care of me. And it may change the way you treat them as well. So that may be another factor. So I, I think really at the end of the day, are our priorities being driven by the world system, um, by our flesh, or are our priorities being driven by God? And that definitely applies to having a family, being fruitful and multiplying like he has commanded. And, and you know, all these concerns about overburdening the earth, um, 
and that's going to be one of the main things of the arguments, the, the, the ones I'm going to show here, the show people are active to try to reduce the population of the planet. Um, it do, who, you know, who do we think made the earth? It's God. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Do we not think that the earth can sustain the people on it? I mean, yeah, we have to be smart about it. Um, you know, we have to steward the resources that, that we're given. But for some reason, we think they're going to run out or something like that. You know, God has created this to take care of mankind. And um, I'm going to go into scripture here in a minute and it'll, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll talk about it just a little bit. Um, but I think at the, at the end of the day, we want to be obedient to our Lord. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God instructs Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So the earth is here for us to subdue and make it work for us, grow food, all these sorts of things to care for mankind. And then he repeats a very similar uh, statement to Noah and his sons in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. After they come out of the ark to repopulate the earth, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now we have, we have that phrase there, fill the earth. Well, who determines when the earth is full? Who determines that? Is it smart men and women here that determine when, when the earth is full? Is there really even a standard for it being full? I, I don't know, but I don't think that mankind is is the arbiter of that because, you know, the 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 tech the the methods used to reduce population would not would go against what God says. It would violate his commandments and it would violate loving your neighbor. So here, um, I, I'd like to go through um, a couple Psalms too that praise having children. Here in Psalm 127, starting in verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a, a reward. Every man and woman should have the opportunity to have children. Um, you may have heard of eugenics. There's people that think that we need to keep the gene pool um, pure, whatever that means. And so you sterilize certain people in the population to prevent them from procreating. And is that loving your neighbor? Um, Psalm 128, Song of Ascents. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord blesses you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. And then in Proverbs, it extols grandchildren. Proverbs 17, verse 6, Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. And then, of course, we have the glory of, of having a wife. And in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, 
He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You have to have a wife to have children. So having a wife is a good thing and you obtain favor from the Lord. And children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. So here God clearly is calling us to have children and and having children is a good thing. And let me go back to what I said. It's not necessary for everybody. It's a general it's a general guideline, general rule that the Lord has set. And, and I, in full disclosure, in the New Testament, um, it talks about some not marrying in the service of the Lord. But first, I'm going to go into uh, the Old Testament in Jeremiah in chapter 16, verses 1 to 2, where he tells him not to take a wife. The word of the Lord came to me, you shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. So this is the exception. He's, he's directly telling him, Jeremiah, not to have a wife, not to have children in the place that he was in. Um, moving to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 19, verse 12. This is interesting. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have been made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. So there are clearly the case of men there who cannot procreate, who cannot have children. And it's for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Have I, I haven't really, I haven't dug into that to really get the full meaning of it to be perfectly honest. But clearly there's a case where there's there are um, men who do not have children. Um, then we turn to one of the Pauline epistles, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 9, um, where this is where Paul starts talking about being unmarried um, and, uh, and to serve the Lord. He says here, To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. So clearly if you remain single, you're not going to have children. Verse 9, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So we have a person here who is the, the one who is single, who wants to serve the Lord. Um, however, and thinks he, he would do so best being single. But if he has that passion in him for, for women, it's better for him to be married so as not to burn with that passion and try to stay single. And God, and God honors that. And then have have children, be fruitful, and and multiply if that if that is what um, you you are called to do. And then moving down to verse thirty two, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. So here he's describing the you know what the unmarried man and the married man are anxious for, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So that's what is key, is trying to to have that undivided devotion to the Lord. And Paul, and then in, in verse 38 he says, so then he who marries 
uh, his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. So he's thinking here about our lives being dedicated to serving the Lord. And and he's clearly saying here that if you're single, and you can focus entirely on the Lord and your, your interests aren't divided between the Lord and also satisfying your, your spouse. So there are instances where people aren't married, so they're not going to have children. So it, it goes back to what I'm saying about this rule. It's a general rule with exceptions. I just don't want those who are married um, to be making, to, I want them to make the best decisions based on the guidance of the Lord, the counsel of the, our Father in heaven who says, be fruitful and multiply, and to think about our responsibilities to raise godly children. So I was talking about um, an active movement to limit the number of people on the earth, and I would actually say it's to reduce and potentially rapidly. Uh, but first, I, I want to ask the question, who hates man? Because to actively reduce the population of the, of the world, you have to kill a lot of human beings. Who, who wants to kill man? Who thinks that man is... Who, who would you think would... Who could you hear saying man is a cancer on this planet? It's probably the same person who wants to pervert and destroy creation. And I would say this is Satan, our adversary, and his minions, the fallen angels, demons, and those, those men, those wicked men who follow him and do his bidding. So we, we do have an adversary. We do so, have someone active that hates the human race. So when I start seeing things about reducing the population, killing people off, stuff like that, I immediately think satanic. So... We go back to the late 1700s and the early 1800s. There was um, Thomas Malthus um, who came up with um, a philosophy called Malthusianism or, or something Malthusian, which talks about population. And I'm, I'm going to read from uh, Britannica Online for this one. Um, so Thomas Malthus was born February 13th or 14th, 1766 in England. Um, he died in December 20, he died, died December 29th, 1834, um, also in England. He was an English economist and demographer who is best known for his theory that population growth will always tend to outrun the food supply and that betterment of humankind is impossible without stern limits on reproduction. This thinking is commonly referred to as Malthusianism. So stern limits on reproduction. That doesn't sound like be fruitful and multiply. He wrote a book in 1798 called An Essay on the Principle of Population as it Affects the Future Improvement of Society. Malthus, Malthus argued that infinite human hopes for social happiness must be vain, for population will always tend to outrun the growth of production. The increase of population will take place if unchecked in a geometric progression, while the means of subsistence will increase in only an arithmetic progression. Population will always expand to the limit of subsistence. Only vice, including the commission of war, misery, including famine or want of food and ill health, and moral restraint, i.e. abstinence, could check this excessive growth. War, famine, ill health, abstinence, used to check growth of population. 
Now, fundamental criticism of Malthus was his failure to appreciate the ongoing British agricultural revolution, which eventually caused food production to meet or exceed population growth and made prosperity possible for a larger number of people. So do we trust God or not? I just throw that question out there. And then came along uh, a study called The Limits to Growth that was sponsored by the Club of Rome. This was done in 1972, and it involved a team at MIT from many different countries and computer modeling. So think of computer modeling back in 1972. Now, um, the Club of Rome, uh, there's an author named John Coleman who contends that the Club of Rome consists of the oldest members of the so-called black nobility of Europe, descendants of the ancient families who owned, controlled, and ran Genoa and Venice in the 12th century. They are called black nobility because of their use of dirty tricks, murder, terrorism, unethical behavior, and worship of Satan. Black deeds. They never hesitate to use force against anyone who dared to stand in their way, and this is no less true today than it was during the 13th to the 18th centuries. Okay. I've got him saying what the Club of Rome is. Uh, take his grace off, you will. Um, I, I think bottom line for us is this is a group of very influential people who want to have undue influence over what happens on the earth because they're the ones that commissioned this study um, on the limits of growth and the population problem that they were that were they were seeing on the earth. So in the report um, and, and with the simulation and all that sort of stuff, they seek they seek a they sought a balanced and stable system. Um, they talked about populate, population, um, very simple diagram. We have a positive feedback loop with fertility births, negative feedback loop of deaths. Um, and then they, they continue, must decrease the former, the number of birth while, births, while increasing the latter, the number of deaths, to stay in equilibrium until you reach equilibrium itself. So the, the goal is the birth rate equaling the death rate. And uh, some things they say in there, they want to make 100% um, 100% effective birth control available to everybody, and that the average desired family size is, is two children. They also address capital or you know money investment things like that. They they talked about that needing to be an equilibrium equilibrium as well. The investment rate equaling the depreciation rate. Um, must be balanced to avoid uh, non-renewable resource shortages. We hear about that all the time. Um, and um, to further uh, reduce resource depletion and pollution, the economic preferences of society are shifted more towards services such as education, health facilities, and less toward factory-produced material goods. It sounds a lot like what's been done in our country lately, where it's more service-based um, with a lot of our factory pr production being moved to other countries like China. Um, in 1992, there was a 20-year anniversary uh, release. Uh, it was called Beyond the Limits. And then in 20, uh, sorry, in 2002, at the 30-year anniversary, there was a Limits to Growth updated. They had a nice little graphic in there where they calculated the carrying capacity of the earth and claim that the uh, in that in that diagram that they had the ecological footprint of humanity was now exceeding that capacity. I think, you know, our footprint was now like 1.2 Earths worth uh, of um, capacity. How they calculated it, I'm not sure, but they they talk about overshoot, basically saying that we have overshot um, 
the 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 population that the earth can handle and something needed to be done and, and something drastic um, needed to be done so some of the some of the uh, the text um, some of the explanations that they have in here um, here they're explaining what the global challenge is the global challenge could be simply stated to reach sustainability Humanity must increase the consumption levels of the world's poor while at the same time reducing humanity's total ecological footprint. There must be technolo technological advance and personal change and longer planning horizons. There must be greater respect, caring, and sharing across political boundaries. This will take decades to achieve even under the best of circumstances. No modern political party has garnered broad support for such a program, certainly not among the rich and powerful who could make room for growth among the poor by reducing their own footprints. Meanwhile, the global footprint gets larger day by day. Uh, so here's another quote from, from the, uh, the document. Suppose that starting in 2002, every couple in the world understood the implications of further population growth for the welfare of their own and other children. Suppose all people were assured by their societies of acceptance, respect, material security, and care in their old age, no matter how few children they had. Suppose further that it became a shared social goal to raise every child with adequate nutrition, shelter, health care, and education. Suppose as a consequence that all couples decide to limit their family size to two surviving children on average and that they had readily available fertility control technologies to help them achieve that goal. It also says a transition to sustainability. So you're hearing the sustainability word. We hear it all the time now. A transition to sustainability will require, however, an active decision to reduce the human ecological footprint. This in turn will require personal decisions to reduce family size, lower goals for industrial growth, and raise efficiency in the use of Earth's resources. And it also says the longer the world economy takes to reduce its ecological footprint and move towards sustainability, the lower the population material standard that will be ultimately supportable. At some point, delay means collapse. So they're very alarmist saying if we continue to allow uh, the population to grow at what appears to be more exponential than um, an exponential rate, it, we are going to collapse. And, and that alarmism can convince people to take drastic measures, drastic measures to avoid that. Measures that would, would um, potentially, would be unbiblical, would go against the word of God. The higher the society sets its targets for population material standard of living, the greater are its risks of exceeding and eroding its limits. So they want us to minimize the use of non-renewable resources. Fossil fuels, fossil groundwaters, and minerals should be used only with the greatest possible efficiency. Recycled when possible, and it says in parentheses, fuels can't be recycled, but minerals and water can, and consumed only as part of a deliberate transition to renewable resources. And then it says, slowly and eventually, this is one of the goals, slow and eventually stop exponential growth of population and physical capital. There are limits to the extent that the first six items on this list can be pursued. Therefore, this last item is the most essential. It's talking about the, the uh, slow and eventual stop, the, the, the exponential growth. It involves institutional and philosophical change and social innovation. It requires defining levels of population and industrial output that are desirable and sustainable. It calls for defining goals that uh, around the idea of development rather than growth. It asks simply but profoundly for a larger, more truly satisfying vision of the purpose of human existence than mere physical expansion and accumulation. Be fruitful and multiply indeed. Doesn't like that idea. 
This uh, and then there, another document followed on the heels of this limits to growth study that was released in 1972. In 1974, um, something came out called the Kissinger Report. It was National Security Study Memorandum 200. It was entitled Implications of Worldwide Population Growth for U.S. Security and Overseas Interests. It kind of sounds like it could have been influenced by this um, Club of Rome study. Um, one of the quotes from it is, uh, for women, employment outside the home offers an alternative to early marriage and childbearing and an incentive to have fewer children after marriage. The woman who must stay home to take care of her children must forgo the income she could earn outside the home. Research indicates that female wage employment outside the home is related to fertility reduction. So they want women to be employed outside the home. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You just have to understand that there's a push to have women employed outside the home to reduce fertility. And here's a list of some of the actions that they propose within this um, National Security Study Memorandum. And that's, that was um, Henry Kissinger, uh, by the way. I'm sure many of you have heard of him. So here's some of the actions. Um, providing minimal levels of education, especially for women, reducing infant and child mortality, expanding wage employment opportunities, especially for women, developing alternatives to the social security role provided by children to aging parents. This should sound familiar. We talked about that before. Pursuing development strategies that skew income growth toward the poor, especially rural development focusing on rural poverty. Concentration on education and indoctrination of the rising generation of children regarding the desirability of smaller family size. Indoctrination. Abortion. And in this abortion section, it stated, no country has reduced its population growth without resorting to abortion. So this is where, this is where I'm talking about where the in, in their mind, the end justifies the means. Population growth justifies killing people. But God says, thou shalt not commit murder. Thou shalt not kill. And that's exactly what abortion is. It is murder. And so here, this document is supporting the murder of children to reduce the population. It also stated, 30 million pregnancies are estimated to be terminated annually by abortion throughout the world. This was in 1975. So this is a measure of success. This is what they are, they are looking to do, you know, tally up the number of abortions. How successful are we in reducing the population? How many abortions were there? And here they're estimating 30 million worldwide annually. The slaughter of 30 million people. Does that glorify the name of God? Who wants to kill man? Who, who hates man? Back to what I was saying, it's satanic. And then finally, one of the last actions, utilization of mass media for dissemination of family planning services and information. Flood the zone with that, that information. Propaganda. Um, there's other actions in this document, um, but I, I just wanted to, to share a few with you that there is deliberate planning and thinking going on about population control, population reduction. And then you, you happen to have in 1980 that, um, that kind of pops on the scene out of nowhere, the Georgia Guidestones. Um, people kind of dismissed them. Um, I actually visited them myself before they mysteriously were um, hit with some sort of explosive projectile and then 
and then raised very quickly. It was completely removed without much explanation. Very, very strange. Um, but the, the, uh, the site, it was huge granite. I believe it was granite um, tablets. Uh, there's four of them. They're very tall. I mean, much taller than I was. At least, uh, two, three times as tall as me, maybe. I don't know. But four main tablets. And, um, and, and each side, of, uh, for each stone, um, both sides had writing on them. And then so you had eight sides with writing, um, each one in a different modern language. And then at the very top, there was like a capstone or a stone laying on top. There were four ancient languages around that one. It, they didn't say the same thing as what was written on the main tablets that were around there. Um, but uh, it, the, it was erected, this, this, this stone monument was erected uh, March 22nd, 1980. And to me, it's reminiscent of the tablets that Moses received because guess how many guidelines, commandments? question mark, uh, were, were, uh, were on each side of the stone. It was 10. So is this the new 10 commandments? I'm not going to read them all. You can go look it up yourself. The Georgia Guidestones, the lists are out there in plenty of different places. Um, but the first commandment that's on there uh, is maintain humanity under, wait for it, 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. So, if you go with current estimates of the population of the planet, seven billion, how many people do you have to eliminate to get down to 500 million? Now, you know, you could say, oh, Chip, this is just kind of, you know, just some crazy person that, you know, put these up there. Um, I would, for your consideration, I would say, you know, who takes the time to take their Ten Commandments and chisel it in stone and erect it in eight different languages and then also four, four very ancient languages like Sanskrit, I believe, is one of them. Hieroglyphics is another Um who takes the time and money to do that? By the way, the, the people that put it are, are, are anonymous. The sponsors are a small group of American. It says it on, it, well, it said it on, on one of the um, stones on the ground. It said, a small group of Americans who seek the age of reason. Okay. So I just, I don't know. I just don't think someone is going to take the time to, to do all that, spend the money and whatever, if they weren't serious about it. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But it's just kind of odd that, you know, so blatantly would erect stones in, in, uh, in, in multiple different languages that have a new set of, of almost uh, what I would consider 10 commandments in there. One of them being my interpretation of the, the mass murder of, of many humans on this planet. So we have this underlying belief, desire to reduce the population of the planet. So, so how, do we re, how do we achieve population reduction? Well, we've talked about a lot of them. How can this be achieved? Um, 
uh, I'm going to review some of what's already been stated from these documents um, from the Club of Rome, Limits to Growth, and the, and the uh, National Security Study Memorandum, the Kissinger Report. Um, you discourage people from having children. Um, consumerism, I think, is a big one. You, you encourage the desire of things in an easy, comfortable life, which, which having children would detract from. Um, and something that we saw in the reports is that generally it, the, the more money you have, the less children you have. And that could also fly in the face of, you know, what God tells us about, um, you know, don't, you know, don't love money, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I think I'm going to get into consumerism in, a, in another episode, another stronghold I think that we need to, uh, to, to take a look at and, and assault. Um, another one is consider, consideration of expenses down the road, schooling, marriage, you know, having another mouth to feed, you know, stuff like that. I think that that's something that, that, that factors into our calculations. Um, but, you know, if we're Christians, then, then God supports us. And it's amazing how he provides for us, um, for, for those of us who, are, who, you know, are his, you know, his children. We're faithful to him. We obey his commands. He's faithful to us and he provides. So we shouldn't have to worry about those things. Our worry should be about being obedient and then God will, will provide what we need, especially to do his will. Um, you know, no plan of his will be thwarted. And if we're part of that plan, he'll make sure we're resourced to be able to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. You know, that, that is not a problem for him. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, meaning he owns everything on the planet, on, on the earth. Another way, family planning and birth control to include abortion, you know, fertility control. That's another way to discourage people from having children or prevent them from having children. Um, the, uh, the mothers working outside the home, as, as you read, they believe that is something that will reduce the number of children. Um, social welfare systems, and uh, that will take care of it, the citizens of a country in their old age where they don't need children to take care of them when they get old. Um, that is something that um, if you don't have somebody to take care of, you're like, wait a second, we need to have, we need to have kids so that when I get old, somebody's there to care for me. Okay, let's. So that was that was some of the the sub bullets under discourage people from having children. Another was war. War, that kills people, can kill millions, depending on the size of the war. Um, the problem you have with war, though, is you can bounce back afterwards. You remember the baby boom after World War II and stuff like that. So it's in the short run, it, it can work. Um, but in the long run, the, the populations can bounce back. I mean, we see the growth since World War II, right? Okay, another, another method is mass murder. Um, here, I what I encourage you to to um, to reflect on is the, is the institution of communism in Russia and China and how many millions of their own citizens do they kill let me make a comment on communism briefly um, I think we scoff at communism when we say well it just doesn't work you know, and we think that that's going to convince people not to install communism well you have to understand what the purpose of communism is um, and, and it does work if you understand the purpose. The purpose isn't to make life better in a society. It's not to make a better country, anything like that. It's to destroy a culture and subjugate them. So it's very successful at doing that. And what we're seeing in our country right now is something called cultural Marxism, where our, our, our culture is being destroyed culturally. These people have no 
they don't desire for us to have better lives. If they had desire for us to have better lives, they'd want us to follow the moral code of our Father in heaven. But, but they're debasing us in this society. Okay, got off on a little tangent there. So, mass murder. Think of, uh, I think there's a term that's come out, de- democide, where the government kills its own people. I believe that's the term. Um, so, mass murder. That's another way to reduce the population. Famine, starvation, and pestilence. It seems like war, famine, starvation, pestilence, those things can kind of come together um, as well. I think we saw in Ukraine how um, the war has limited the shipments of grain from Ukraine, which apparently is a huge breadbasket, um, to Africa. So the war is affecting um, food availability for other parts of the world, which can lead to famine and starvation. And then pestilence can also come when there's malnutrition, um, you know, lack, you know, lack of food and stuff like that. So these things are all kind of wrapped up, but um, they also can have the effect of population reduction. And then finally, you have um, attacks on the fertility of individuals. Um, I kind of touched on that, discouraging people from having children. But you have voluntary contraception, contraceptives and sterilization. Um, you also have the encouragement of homosexual and transsexual behavior. They're not going to have children. Um, you're taking them out of you know, the, the fertility pool there. You, you also have the sterilization of transitioning men, women, and children where they, they, they are mutilating themselves, they're taking terrible um, medications, drugs, whatever, that, that are ruining their ability to have children um, now or in the future. Um, and, and then you could also have injections that, that cause sterilization. You have a surreptitious method um, to do that. I uh, understand from this latest uh, push on inoculations, the, the spike protein was found in ovaries and testes and things like that. Um, there's been a decline in fertility um, in many countries around the world um, that were heavily inoculated um, and things like that. So we have to be very careful um, as Christians to, to guard our fertility so that we can be fruitful, multiply, and raise children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So I encourage us you know, to, to sum all this up. Um, I, I started off the simple commands of God. Um, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, be fruitful, multiply. Children are, are a reward from the Lord. You want to fill your quiver with them. Um, and then into, well, what is the world system doing? And the world system is, is countering that. It is actually fighting against what God has said because they want to reduce the population, prevent people um, from being able to, to have the children, the number of children they may want to have, um, or have children at all. So I encourage us, um, don't listen to these people and, and, and don't worry about anybody else either. Just worry about yourself. Worry about yourself, your relationship with God, what God is telling us to do. Understand that this is out there, <clears throat> but we need to listen to our Lord. Again, children are a blessing. We, we should have children to his glory, raise them in the fear and admonition of, of the Lord um, we, we need to trust that the Lord will provide for us in doing so. Um, and, and, you know, think about eternity. You know, we have temporal pleasures here on this planet. You know, we've got money and we can buy, you know, nice things and stuff. You know, guilty as charged. Um, the person sitting in the seat talking to you. We can buy nice things. But when you think of eternity, what's going to last into eternity? 
It's going to be that soul, that that soul that you bring into the world through through coming together as a, a husband and wife and, and being fruitful and multiplying. And you know, you you will you know, and if they accept the Lord, they 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 have saving faith, then you will get to know them. You will be with them for all eternity. That's, I think that's part of storing up treasure in heaven. So what are we, what are our priorities? Do we listen to the world and, and, you know, swallow the, 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 uh, the tasty morsel of consumerism? Um, do we buy into their, 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 um, their, their lines that the world's overpopulated? Um, you know, that, that we're destroying Gaia, Mother Earth and all that sort of stuff? Or, or do you listen to the Lord? Who, who, you know, our, our Savior loves us and He does not seek our destruction. He wants us to be saved. That's why He went to the cross. He died for us. But our adversary just wants us to die. He just wants us to die. He doesn't want us to come to a saving faith in our Creator God, in our Savior so he he just reeks he he spews lies, deceptions, and seeks chaos, wreaks havoc, and death. And if you look at 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 what these things are talking about, especially abortion and the the transitioning people who are sterilizing themselves, it it it's grotesque and it's satanic. But my, my brothers and sisters, think about this. You know, those maybe who are young and you're not married yet, or you are married, consider what the Lord says. Consider what he says about children. And, and consider your priorities and pray about it. I'm not, I'm not telling you to have children. Because that may not be God's will for your life. He may want you to be single. But I do want you to know his general guidance to mankind to be fruitful, multiply, and know that there is an adversary who is countering that heavily right now. All you should do is do everything to the glory of God. Everything to the glory of God. Well, thank you for listening. This is a little bit different um, of, a, of a direction I, I've taken with, uh, with this episode. And this is kind of what I'm meaning by um, assaulting strongholds um, because the, the strongholds, I consider those things that, you know, the world system, the devil, wicked men put out there that go against God in their rebellion. And we need to expose them. We need to expose the lies. We need to expose the evil. So we don't fall into the snares. We do not fall into believing the lies. I hope you found this helpful. Um, and um, until next time, I, um, I pray that the Lord blesses you, blesses your decisions in life, guides you in your decisions, I think more importantly, and that the Lord provides, because He will. He will provide for you. He will provide for you. He is our great Father in heaven. God bless you.